following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. I know God exists, but he doesn't know I exist. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. I'm going to bring this back to Jesus eventually, but continue. My suffering is being left of Josh. <laughs> anyway, so Mormon literature. Yeah, Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings. I am so happy we get to talk about The Way yeah. of Kings on this podcast. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... Uh, Joshua. To my left is... I'm uh, Joel. And to my left... I'm Colson. And to my left... It's me. Back around to Caleb. We have our regular full house. We're missing Stuart again. I'm sorry. Very sad. Hey, Stuart. Um, Joel, what do we do on the internet? We should hang out. You know, shooting the breeze with some friends over theology and a, and a cup of coffee, usually. Um, and where can you listen to those things? Well, it's on the secondratesaints.com website, um, where you'll find our book reviews, links to all of our different channels, our Spotify, our Apple Music, um, and our YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you subscribe to all of that. If you'd like to become a member on our page, you can leave our, your uh, email with us. And send us messages directly on the page. That's uh, one of the better ways to get a hold of us. If you'd like to uh, comment or um, request a topic or, or really anything at all, um, hopefully over the summer we'll begin to expand our online presence a little bit. Um, so stay tuned. You'll find you know all the announcements for what we're doing uh, on our Instagram. Yeah, mostly on our Instagram. Yeah. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I guess we're done the podcast. That's, See you later. That's <laughs> good night, everybody. Caboodle. Yeah, this whole this podcast is only advertisements exclusively. So, no, I'm, I'm kidding. We'll never advertise anything else on this podcast ever again, unless they except give us money. for books. <laughs> unless you give us money. Yeah. If someone, anyways, we won't get into that. Um, we won't be taking a tithe for the podcast or anything Oof. like that. Um, Joshua. Yes. Um, you had mentioned to me that you 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 began uh, dwelling upon words on a page, which leads me to ask the question: What have you read? <laughs> Is this the "What have you read" section? The, I mean, if I'm interpreting dwelling on a page <laughs> yeah. properly, yeah, and not sleeping on newspaper. <laughs> Man, um, yeah, no. I so I finished the book uh, preaching uh, by. Timothy Keller. Okay. Uh, and that book talks about preaching. Um, <laughs> aptly named. Aptly named. Holy straight to the point. <laughs> straight to the point. And he gets straight to the point. Uh, Timothy Keller doesn't waste time, but he's a beautiful writer and a gentleman. And I love that. Um, so what he talks about primarily in the book preaching is Christ centered preaching in the skeptical age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason he gets into that is because when you're trying to respond to every criticism or skeptic yeah. in your sermon, you're missing discipleship, you're missing the gospel, and your sermon has just become apologetics. Mm. Um, okay. And the way we're supposed to preach, the way we're supposed to present the word is via Christ and the gospel. 
and the discipleship of the church. Yeah. Um, evangelism has its place in the, in the church body. Like what I mean by that is like in the sanctuary or in the service, it has its place, but, and there's disagreements, different denominations will have disagreements on this, but the service is made for the gospel presentation and discipleship of the body. Mm. And that repetitive Sabbath focus on Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where uh, baptisms happen and that's where the Lord's Supper happens. That's where worshiping God happens. And so like the sermon where the word is presented should be what is the message of the word for the people and for their growth and development. And the way you do that is through Christ-centered preaching. Wherever you find your preaching in the Bible, mm-hmm. Point it to the gospel, point it to Christ. Question for you then, Josh. Yes. This sounds like a great book for preachers, youth pastors, Bible mm-hmm. school students, seminary students, all that kind of stuff. Even small group leaders, maybe. Yes. For someone who doesn't do preaching then, what benefit is the book? What benefit it is, is if you are somebody who, and there's a place for this in the church for this type of person, as there is many different types of people. If you're the kind of person that is critical of your pastor because of beliefs you have about how they preach, read the book because mm-hmm. it might tell you what, what preaching is for. And so if you have particular views on what a preacher should be talking about or how they should be preaching, this is a great book to orient yourself on how preaching should function. Yeah. Um, that's good. Um, if you're also just a lay person that reads theology because you like, because you like reading theology and developing yourself, this is a great opportunity for you to learn how to present the word in small groups, in Bible study, in those like presenting formats, um, which is good. I I have a question. Yes. Um, is the book geared more towards the theology that the Bible puts forward for preachers and like preaching and what they should cover, why they Mm -hmm. should do it and how they should do it. Or is it more practical as in, in our modern day? Like, yeah, it's for a skeptic Mm -hmm. in the modern day. That's what it's about. But is it focusing more on like the on the ground, uh, kind of styles of preaching, Mm -hmm. um, uh, ideas behind it? Yeah, I can get into the theology, but is it more focused on that theological aspect than take it from there or from the practical aspect and with theological backing? It's a good question. He starts so, off more practical, right? He starts off practical, yeah. but he, in a, in a gentle way. And what I mean by that is like, there's a, there's a discussion in preachers and in school, um, like undergrads and stuff like that about like, should you preach topical sermons? Should you preach, uh, exegetical sermons? Yeah. Should you go through the Bible as it's presented and preach verse by verse or section by section? I think this is reaching the lay people quite a bit too. Yeah. Not even just these. Absolutely. People. They know the terms. Yeah. Most yeah. lay people know those terms. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, or should you be preaching ideas? Like, hey, we're talking about marriage. And then the next sermon, we're talking about singleness. And then the next sermon, we're talking about, right. mm-hmm. you know, widows, whatever. Um, and like, so you're doing topics, right? Yeah. Rather than, and then you're finding places in scripture where that touches. And he's saying, what he argues is like, hey, 80 80, 80, 90% of the time, exegetical. It you allow the Bible to speak its its own on its own terms. Mm-hmm. You also allow like when you're preaching, you don't get to escape to mm-hmm. avoid topics. You have to preach what the Bible is presenting. 
Um, whereas if you're doing topical sermons all the time, you can just not talk about certain things. Right. You or leave just... out certain things that actually might boost, boost yeah. your point. But that goes the other way around, and he does make a case for that, is that yeah. those who preach 100% exegetically will put themselves in Romans for about a year and <laughs> never have to confront anything that's happening in the news or happening in their city yeah. or happening. Like, there's there's a certain amount that you should be open to topical sermons because you should be open to God placing topics on your heart, essentially, yeah. right? You should and, still be opening to the... Open yeah, to and the, like if it's Ascension you know. Sunday, mm-hmm. talk about Ascension, Yeah, right? Skip the pat, you know, assume Romans later, Yeah, right? But for this Sunday, we're talking about the Ascension because it's Ascension Sunday. Oh, mm-hmm. we're in Lent. Plan a exegetical pattern of sermons yeah. through Lent um, or Christmas. Talk about the birth of Jesus, Right, don't talk about the Canaanite takeover mm-hmm. via Joshua, um, because it's present. It's what is on the mind in the world, or when something big happens, like there's a massive sp- Catholic Church splits because of some theological idea. Address it because it's on everyone's mind in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. So, in the earlier chapter, it might be chapter like three or four, but he defines preaching as a skill. Yes. What What's your take on that? Because I, I in, in a lot of ways, it is a developed skill. Yes. Um, but what degree of training should somebody have before they preach is, is, this, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, I think that if the majority of the case, you should practice before you go and you should get training. But the the that's a whole discussion on talent versus skill. And it's like, yes, yeah, some people might have the talent, but you still need the skill. Um, but that's the book. Yeah. That's the entire thing. So we've asked, we've asked some very serious things. And I like to ask you this at the end of every time that you review a book. Yes. Um, how's the cover? Um, the covers are three out of five. Three out of five. Three oh, out of five. That's a very middling. Yep. Why? Why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I like all of Timothy Keller's Covers? Yeah. Reason I think for it's, God's just white with black text. That's I like why it. I like, I like it. it. Yeah. It's, I like that he yeah. kept like aerial font. For the <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, that wasn't changing anything. And he turned on italics for yeah. the subtitle. We paid for no no rights. <laughs> yeah, the problem of God is just also, a slightly yellowed just, version of that. <laughs> it's weird, but it's um, cool. Yeah, so no, I like how clean his covers are and mm-hmm. like they each have their own color. Yeah. Um, the, the past... The preaching one is just too busy for no reason. Like it doesn't have like a pattern to why it has that cover. Whereas like if you're going blank, you're like, yeah, it's just blank. It just has a color. It's fine. It's, you can't judge it. Right. But if it's got like, this would, weird effect on it, but it has no reason to have this effect. Five know. out of five. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to admit. I don't know what your. St- I was. I thought I knew your standards. It's uninspiring. But, but that's a question See, for after it's unaffect- the podcast. It's it's See, unrelated it's, to the topic. See, about two years from now, I'm going I'm to ask the audience and say, "Is there any consistency to Josh's cover?" <laughs> <laughs> it's in the moment. Um, this this is what I'm working towards. But until we get then get there, it's we're gonna have to five. have a lot. Uh, <laughs> three to five is what I said. <laughs> There's no waiting until we get there. No, 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 no. no. Once, once we, once the audience has become accustomed to your rubric, then I'll ask oh, absolutely. Question. But we're on many episodes from there, and so we're gonna have to get through a lot of topics. But this episode's topic, problem of pain, as you read in the title, 
Yeah, um, unless you can't read. Well, well, yeah. Hey. Which means audio podcasts are great for you. Let's just continue. <laughs> um, Josh. Oh, no. How do you say your new favorite word that you put in all our outlines? Prolegomena. Thank you. Yep. I didn't want I'm to sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Prolegomena. It means the... Uh, you made that up. The opening statements. Kind of like your definitions to the new problem. You're going to discuss things. Mm-hmm. What are some... Hey, let's introduce you to this field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... There's a couple there's a couple versions of the problem of evil or the problem of suffering which are not necessarily the same thing. Right. Have so, we even said that's our topic yet? Yes, I just did, yeah. Oh shoot. Okay. MSC. When I was like there's so many episodes we got to get through them. Yeah. We got to get through this one. Yeah. Joel, we're about to talk about evil and suffering. I need I need you to very <laughs> focus Whoa, on dude. a very lighthearted okay, topic. Wow. <laughs> okay. Joel. Locked in now. Joel. I love you. My suffering is being left of Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb. Which which is the first idea in the problem of pain that we're going to talk about? Um, Well, we kind of have, we're kind of dealing with them in in, in little groupings. Mm -hmm. But in our prolegomena, we're going to acquaint ourselves with the different versions that the argument has, which there's technically four. Okay. There's like the logical problem of evil, which people have heard that actually exists that predates Christianity. It's the if God is so so power if God is all powerful, right, all knowing and all loving, why would He permit evil? Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and most people like that's that's the one people think of when you say the problem of evil. Right. That's it's been around since before Christianity. It's the go-to. Um, that would be one of the that would be the logical problem of evil. Technically, there's um excuse me. Technically, the uh, the origin problem of evil, which is it, it's kind of like a subheading of act, of the uh, logical problem of evil, actually. Origin, the uh, the theologian, right? No, no, no. Deep it, reference. <laughs> it's it's technically if all things originate in God, if God creates all things, if all things originate in God, how is how are how is evil and not evil agents also part of let's say. God's creation and a reflection of himself in some, right. Therefore, some capacity. He is the originator Evil of it. Yeah. Yeah. Originated in God. Yeah. And that, that's technically a subheading of the logical problem of evil, but it's normally uh, separated from the previous one because they're very different arguments. Yeah. Um, and then there's the evidential problem of evil. And that one actually almost assumes that, yes, there might be a reason for the previous two, Mm-hmm. Um, but why so much? And this, this, this question or this issue is actually more a reflection of the problem of suffering. That being mm-hmm. unnecessary evil. And so mm-hmm. some people can be like, some people can see, okay, I understand why, you know, let's say there's, there's, there's free will, which we'll get into later. Um, and I can see why that would um, disrupt the logical problem of evil, right? Why, mm-hmm. that, why that would be a counter to that. But why does, why is there so much suffering in the world? Right. It's so much of it seems unnecessary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that would be what's called the evidential problem of evil, um, which actually leads into the into the personal problem of evil, uh, which is the last and final, the, the fourth one, the fourth one that we're going to discuss. You might find different variants of these, mm-hmm. and maybe even some others on the internet. I have not personally come across more, mm-hmm. um, but the personal problem of evil is kind of it assumes that okay, sure, there might be some answer out there, um, but personally evil has harmed me and I, if God allows that, 
I, I, why, well, I can't trust him. Yeah, you can, you can headily explain it away, but yeah, evil still happened. It doesn't know? change what happened to me yeah. or my family or my kids or, or anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's actually Alvin Plantinga calls that the uh, Christian um, apologi- uh, philosopher, apologist, um, known in the secular world as, as one who's kind of defeated the, uh, the problem of evil in mm-hmm. like the high, in books that in high are too boring for me to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. far. Yeah. I'll Eventually read, you'll get to them. I'll read his dumbed down books. Um, but yeah, no, that one's, that one's very compelling, especially for a lot of people. Those are the ones where generally people will make arguments from the logical point or the origin point or the evidential point. But when you boil it all down, it's, it's, it's a lot of the time it's a personal problem of evil, yeah. um, which, which you can't just reason your way out no, of. No, because, because yeah. of, because of what it is by its nature. Um, but before we, we move on into kind of our, our, our little areas that we're going to talk about, um, okay. is there any of those that you guys want to unpack a little bit further? Oh, I liked what you said about the, the logical problem of evil. Um, kind of reminded me of how uh, C.S. Lewis starts off Problem of Pain. Hmm. Is that the name of the book? I always get the name <laughs> Yes, <wrong>. it is. <laughs> I, I can never remember C.S. Lewis' uh, titles, so it makes it really confusing to reference them. Um, he starts off with, like, um, why would humans in a world with so much evil come to the conclusion that it was created by a good God, right? And then the fact that they believe God is good to begin with proves his existence in some way. Um, it's super weird. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting argument to come across, and I don't think it's quite as heavy as Plantinga, right? Like, yeah. I think it's... No, but it's, it's, um, an, it's, it's, it's akin to his argument for God being that, like, every desire has a, has a fulfillment, and like we desire heaven, therefore heaven exists. It's like his really fun <laughs> argument oh, on that oh, point. Yeah. And I, it's similar to that. It's like true. we everybody just assumes God is good via yeah. the argument, mm-hmm. which which is kind of funny because like that's is that in a weird way, like yeah. the back door of us being created beings, knowing our yeah. creator. It's the source code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it also falls into the God-shaped hole kind of yeah. idea, yeah. right? Um, I don't know. I think that that would closely line up with the logical argument, would it not? It makes sense that he wrote Narnia when he has a yeah. magical answer like that. I, I, yeah, I don't I guess know where it, that would line up, personally. It, I'm, yeah, I'm not a massive fan. Well, when you said but, that the, the problem was like from the beginning of um, time beginning of humanity or whatever. It, it seems that it would, it would relate back to yeah. mm-hmm. um, why would we still assume that there's a good God? Yeah. Um, right, unless he right. revealed himself to us. Right. Um, well, the deists yeah. had a good answer. For, they have, they struggled with that too. Um, they were the, like, oh, well, God obviously isn't good because, you know, suffering does exist. But yeah, yeah. they just concluded that like, boom. Let's throw <laughs> yeah. the definition of deist before we do that because that has a relation to the problem of evil as well. Yeah. I disagree with the deists. So can you I, define I deism for me, please? De- deism is the belief. <laughs> I don't want to give them time of day. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But um, de- deism is the idea that God does exist, but there's no way to know him. He's so far and beyond yeah. um, reality. So that either his creation was something he created and then left, yeah. or he do- he's not even aware himself of it. Mm. Like that kind of idea. That, yeah. Chris, he wound up the clock deism. and walked away. Basically, yeah. yeah. And he'll be back when it ends, but that's it. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Christian deism is um, a bit of a misnomer. Yeah. Because it's not real, but... It's almost agnosticism. 
It is very it's gnostic. Bad gnostic. It's very gnostic. No, that's yeah. funny. So agnostic is what I said. It is like if you want to say gnostic, that's all. It is, also, but it is a little secret knowledge. Like they but do then lean it's also it. like secret knowledge for nothing. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do. I know lean God exists, but He doesn't know I exist. <laughs> it's um, like, oh, okay. Anyway, um, Josh, the I mean, the evidential and the personal problem are always going to be more difficult mm. because mm. of the the personal experience within them and the, the overwhelming nature of it yeah. where you're just like, what? And it, cause like one of the effects of pain or suffering that makes it so powerful as an argument is that it consumes your mind. Mm -hmm. um, and so it doesn't allow you to have when you're in suffering, like chronic pain, whatever, it doesn't allow you to have those like deep, thoughtful logical arguments in your head that are like, mm -hmm. that that normally when you're not in pain you're just like oh yeah of course well, it's therefore also, therefore therefore yeah, god well, is good why would an illogical argument work when you're feeling it right now you know <laughs> well, yeah it doesn't remove the sword in your stomach exactly you know? yeah. yeah but but it even doesn't because you're so reactionary in your mind because sure. you're you're just trying to claw for relief that you're just you're not even thinking about those things well, oh man i forget which I forget which theologian said it. There's something... Ah, oh man, I'm going to quote someone that I don't remember who it was, but it's something to the effect of most people when they ask... When, when they're suffering, they don't want answers. All they want is for it to stop. stop. Yep. Yes. They're not actually looking for answers. They just want the suffering to stop. Yeah. Fair enough. And it's like, woof. Yeah. Fair, woof. fair enough. Don't really blame you. Yeah. Um, but getting into it. The logical problem of evil. If God is good, all good, not just good, all good, all knowing and all powerful, Caleb, why does that make God real? You know, because that obviously is not true. Why Hold does sin work. exist? <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the second part of that. <laughs> why does sin exist? If that that can't be possible with this, right? Why does evil exist? Uh, well, I think that goes into the classic Christian answer to that, mm -hmm. which is just the free will defense. Okay. What's right. the free will defense? Um, the free will defense is the idea that God has, <clears throat> that humans are given free will by God to choose to, let's say, to act accordingly. Mm -hmm. Let's say to continue to have a relationship with God, to, let's say, build things, if we're going to use like ideas, or they, and they can choose to do that. And if they can choose to do that, they can choose to tear things down, to reject mm. God. Um, and the idea of that would be, you see this in the, in the, in the Christian religion very explicitly, although Jews also in the Jewish religion, they also have this, this, this argument is just as available to them. Um, God desires relationship, a relationship built on trust and love and, and, and a genuine relationship with, with those people. If God just created people that automatically fell into some sort of let's say, quote-unquote, relationship, is that the same thing as a relationship between between two entities that choose to, to, to let's say, um, pour resources onto one another, to love one another? That's not the same. Mm -hmm. um, and so if God desires that latter option, what I would argue is the better option, right, mm -hmm. a relationship built on love, yeah. then he's going to create entities that can reject it. Yeah. Does someone yeah. want to try to put that more simply? Yeah. So C.S. Lewis has another thing for this. 
which is the keys. You know his analogy of the keys? That we are given the opportunity to play any note, but there will be some that sound good and some that are terrible, (laughs) right? And that the evil will be seen in the The disharmony. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so what we're doing when we use this free will is we're playing a note that doesn't line up with what God has set out for your life. Right, right. Um, Right, Right. which, well, it's, it's the whole, like, everything is... Was it permitted? Not everything's beneficial. Forget the wording. Um, yeah, it's basically that. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, he has a whole analogy about it. I think also in the problem of pain. Um, yeah, you you see this answer. What's interesting about the free will argument is it's like it's presented in chapter three of the Bible. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the Garden of Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is present. Mm. Um, day one they're given a choice because without the choice to reject God, so without the uh, choice to disobey, obedience doesn't exist Yeah, because yeah. it's just it's is. existing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so with that choice there, mm-hmm. they, they can choose to eat the apple and God says the consequence of that is dying. And so they eat the apple, they get tricked and, they curses do the bad and death and curse and death. But what's also interesting is if you not just, is it that when you remove the choice and it simply is with choice comes value. What is it that you value when you're making a choice? Do you value the right or the left? Do you value obedience or do you value the other choice more? And when you remove the choice you remove value from the discussion because nothing it just is mm-hmm. you've everything is a horizontal plane now it's not vertical so there there is no better or worse it just is there is no right or left it just is well the the analogy that i that at least i've, I've read it somewhere i think where there's this idea where if if humans could create let's say uh, a robot that can nurse children, right? That they can essentially just raise young infants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a beautiful thing, right? It would be, it'd be great, sure. right? Um, for children that have, that, that their mother died in, 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 in childbirth or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it not more of a beautiful thing for a mother, although she might have biological systems in her brain to, that program her to love this, this infant that she's, that she's given birth to, but she chooses to love it still, right? One is definitely more beautiful than the other. And yet part of it too is the mother could totally easily just reject the child, throw the child away. Mm-hmm. She, she's like, we we know that. That does happen in parts of the world. When it does happen, we are mortified. But, right. But part of bringing about the beauty of her raising the child is knowing that technically she she's that she could choose otherwise and yet she doesn't she's mm-hmm. doing she's as as joel's analogy from c.s lewis she's playing the right notes and it's so harmonious <laughs> but those other notes do exist and they lurk yeah. in the background yeah right even though a robot could even if humans could create that yeah it could but it's nowhere yeah. near the same beauty as what comes from yeah the free yeah. will and everyone just goes it's built to do it Yes. You built it to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but the same way that an MRI scans your body, it's just what it does. 
to to follow the the argument further because people sometimes take this argument further and say, okay, well then, is there the choice to sin in heaven? Because God's going to love everyone in heaven and the new earth, and there's not going to be sin, there's not going to be pain, there's not going to be any of this stuff. So why not create that? If there's going, like, is there free will there? If there's not, then why not just have it? I don't want to jump to the neck to the final um, section that we're going to talk about because I think that that fits mm-hmm. that much better. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I, we'll talk about the eternal hope of sin. <laughs> yes. The eternal uh, hope of sin ridden from the world. All right. Ridden the past there. existence of sin. Because I think that mm-hmm. I think that that question is answered by um, the future hope that we have. Yes. Sure. Yeah. So we just made the argument that so that a non-programmed being <laughs> does not have the necessary beauty of free will. Is that what we're talking no, about? It's that it's it it is a more beautiful thing for people to choose to love, even with the risk of rejection and sin and death. Okay. Yeah. So what is what is the beauty of that choice then? Is it just the deviation from the status quo? Like what I don't, I don't quite it's, understand. It's, it's the, the, maybe the, I just don't understand the analogy. Okay. Is what I'm I, saying. Can I put this back into the biblical context? It's sure. Yeah. Um when Adam and Eve are given the choice, the yeah. idea is is that in the days leading up before they sin, mm-hmm. they could choose to eat that fruit for self gain whenever they wanted, it would it the they could fall for the trap that in choosing it for themselves, right, for their own personal. And this is what Satan offers, right? You could be like God. They already had it, but that's besides the point. Yeah, you could be like God, right? Um, you could have the benefits of the Creator without the Creator, right? Mm-hmm. And but because of the love that they had that should have had for the father mm-hmm. should have had for god right they could have chosen him versus the benefits without him and so but they didn't and so that's why it's bad is they they wanted what he gave not who he was okay and yeah. so, so the the beauty in that is that he against self gain they could have done what was right Mm. And the reason why this, like, that that's a very good um, yeah. presentation of, of, let's say, what the, the Genesis 3 puts forward and, and why mm. God would, would create a world where that happens. But the reason why that that's the standard Christian rebuttal for the logical problem of evil and the, the problem of origin is the idea that the logical problem of evil presupposes that God isn't, that the God doesn't allow evil for something better than, than evil. Let's say right. uh, that God doesn't allow the presence of evil as if there's nothing that could be that he's that he's willing to permit it for something even better. That we'll get into, but this e- this allowance of evil is, if we want to do it in weights and measures, is weighs more and is greater than if it had never existed at all. Well, it's 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 the authentic loving relationship is better than him just programming robots and out and having no no evil let's say or no suffering right mm-hmm. and so it gives the logical rebuttal for no god is 
all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good. And because he's all-good, he wants that loving relationship, which allows the choice of evil. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's the... It's the if we we more presented more a theological argument against rather yeah. than a philosophical argument against, so that's a bit of that might be a misstep on our point. But regardless, this is the standard philosophical answer to the philosophical charges against um, theism, or specifically Christian theism, yeah. on um, the problem of evil. Right. It's that it does it creates the philosophical argument for no God can still have His character as we have seen Him to reveal as he has revealed to us in the Bible and free will can exist. Those things are not, those things are not mutually exclusive. Right. In God allowing evil, he's created something good. Well, I think this is how the evidential argument oftentimes gets misrepresented is it becomes God's a consequentialist that'll let somebody die to save four other people or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. you don't have a God that plays the trolley problem all day. Like that's not what's happening. Um, you just don't have the scope of creation that God does, right? Like, it, 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 in my mind, it falls into, for I know the plans I have for you, right? Um, where it's more about he has problems to, rest- or, sorry, he has plans to restore Israel from their current exile. Um, not necessarily within the life of, of Jeremiah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Is it Jeremiah? Yes, I, I always get Jeremiah and Isaiah mixed up there um, with references, but... It's it's that he plans to restore plans to restore them, but not necessarily in their lifetime. You know, mm-hmm. not everyone has the scope to understand what suffering will bring about. Um, so, someone tell me why I'm wrong. But you know, people use this, especially in media, as like moral calculus. God has done the moral calculus and has deemed this to be better. Well, I think if we're gonna take a page, you're gonna, out of, you're gonna have to explain that moral calculus. Right. You take expound you know, on it. In math, you have one thing that's worth more than another. If you do the calculus of everything that's in the universe, as complicated as that math would be, the results of sin existing results in a better outcome and a better existence than than if it had never existed at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christians do kind of make that presupposition. Yes. That, um, and I think we're going, well, again, we'll, we might get into that a little bit in our last point for why that's theologically congruent within the Christian faith. Um <laughs> However, as it pertains to the logical problem of evil, and let's say the origin of evil, the because sin and death and suffering within the Christian framework is a re, is a byproduct of humanity's abuse of their free will, yes. where they play the wrong keys, yep. as yeah. as the C.S. Lewis pointed out. It is not to go against the the uh, the origin problem. Yeah. It is not something that is in God that is that evil and sin and death and, mm-hmm. and, and suffering come about is it's in the, as um, Augustine in uh, City of God puts forward, it's a per- privation. It's a corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good thing going bad, a disordering. And so evil doesn't exist in the created world as an entity. Mm-hmm. It is when the entity ceases to be as it was designed. And because it is in that choice of the thing itself to make to choose to not follow God, it is not therefore it's not God who does it. Yeah, it's specifically the rejection of God. Therefore, God Himself can't be the origin of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God can't reject Himself. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we are liable for the evil and the sin in the world. 
because we brought it in. Yeah. Um, however, that may explain the, let's say, philosophical abstract why question, but that doesn't at all solve half of the human heartache at all. Um, because as we discussed earlier, yeah, you can explain stuff away philosophically, but that doesn't solve our emotions at all. And so in that regard, the evidential problem of evil mm-hmm. kind of sometimes does blur with the personal problem of evil. Mm-hmm. At least okay, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Um, and that kind of that kind of gets into the second area where we kind of want to discuss, which is the, the, the personal problem. Um, Joel or Colton, one of you guys want to take that away? Just let me pull it up here. One second. I haven't got my laptop today, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working off my phone, and the numbers are re- number. The numbers are real small. The letters are real small. Is what I meant to say. Okay. Um, so I think everyone can resonate a little bit with the personal problem because we call that empathy. <laughs> Do you want me to read? Um, yeah, you, uh, Yeah, when thing? we were putting this all together, you, yeah. you came up with a. No, you never came up with it, but you were reading from again Plantinga, which is boring f- uh, for the most average people, um, and but, myself certainly. But um, his quote here perfectly gives words to the pain that we all experience. When you write that many words, you're going to hit a couple of bangers, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is a synthesis a of his yeah. of his bigger work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from Knowledge and Christian Belief. Uh, page 119. No. Um, so in describing what someone uh, would say about evil in that, in the, the personal problem of evil, uh, this is, he kind of puts words in that mouth, kind of, kind of gives it its flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt he has all those dandy divine qualities, speaking of God, mm-hmm. and no doubt he is a fine reason for permitting this abomination. After all, I am no match for him with respect to coming up with reasons, reasons that are utterly beyond me. So conceding those those paths to the logical problem and all that. But what he permits is appalling, and I hate it. Um, and you actually get Dovsietsky in the Brothers Karamazov talk about this, where he does uh, the, the eldest brother. Is it uh, Ivan? Ivan is the middle brother. Which is the eldest brother? Uh, it doesn't matter. Either way, the eldest brother um, makes the point. He, he does the exact same thing, and then he... he Vlad. <laughs> he... he <laughs> He explains where it's like, yeah, you can you can explain away all this stuff, but it doesn't change what happens to um, to so and so or this little girl here. Mm-hmm. And if that's the cost, I don't care. As he says, yeah. I hasten mm-hmm. to return my ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, Alvin Plantinga does like says that this is the this is the most this is the strongest argument from evil. Yeah, I don't yeah. disagree. Um, <sighs> Implicit in it is that not only is it appalling, I hate it. It's this is it doesn't matter the logic. This feeling is not worth whatever it is. Yeah, well, it's not worth the existence of God. (laughs) Well, if in some way the image of God or or the law of God written on your heart is in some way the conscience that shows you the evil in the world is truly evil, well, then can the God that is the ontological existence of that conscience exist if it goes against what you believe is good and evil. (laughs) If you disagree with God and your moral compass is rooted in God, can God exist? If God allows evil, then how can God, like, and you don't like, if God's allowance of evil is to you evil, then 
how can you, you also acknowledge he's good? Like personally, is that what you're getting at? I don't, I don't think so. I think hey, I might be able to hash this out because I'm not following. No, <laughs> no. Okay, so in my thinking, and my thinking may be flawed because again, evil. Second <laughs> <laughs> rate, right? Um, sin clouds all things, or you know all that. Um, but if you are presented with the ultimate good that which nothing greater can be conceived, mm -hmm. the ultimate being that knows everything altruistic and is, is good in every all intention. And you disagree with his actions. Um, and your disagreement, you're also told is rooted in the morality that comes from God, that the widow should be cared for, that the orphan should be cared for, yet they die seemingly at his hand. Mm -hmm. Then how can God exist? Yeah, I, I think that's the crux of the problem. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, fair okay. enough. Yeah, um, which is why the problem of pain is not something, or it's actually maybe more important for Christians than it is non-Christians. It's something we have to well, contemplate more than the, the non-believer, because the non-believer can explain that oh, predator eats prey, the world is evil. See, here's the Whereas thing. the Christian is is forced with this dilemma of it is the ought nots, which I, we've talked yeah. about a lot. Can I respond? Absolutely. Okay. The biblical answer, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, would be because of the sin and evil we have brought into the world, our moral compass, though originally designed as, though we were made in the image of God, it is corrupted as we described evil. Hence why when we say we're evil, like humans are evil, like we can still do good because we are made in the image of God and we still can operate in the good manner. But because we have been corrupted by our sin, uh, we don't operate exactly the way we should. Mm -hmm. We're a we're a we're a scope that's slightly off vision. We're a we're an arrow that doesn't always aim true. We're a um we're a we're a teapot that doesn't pour straight out the nozzle. Interesting. Right? So like even the best parents like, aren't always great. Yeah, the mm -hmm. best friends aren't always. Perfect. Yeah. And so like our moral compass in every human is slightly askew. It's broken. It's not completely flipped. It's not, not there. And so yeah. when we say like, I don't like the, my moral compass is telling me that this is bad. And God is telling me that I have, I've allowed this because yeah, as I am the all, the all good thing, the judge of what is good and evil. Um, the the impetus in the biblical sense would be I have to, as we talked about in our prayer episode, align my will with his. But that doesn't solve the experience. That just solves the question we've already talked about. But then that becomes, we believe in a subjective truth, but we also know that we're slightly askew. So it's like, what? we know that there should be a truth, a good but we don't actually have the ability to aim the straight enough arrow that we can actually avoid evil. Yes. That's why like that. Say that again, different okay. words. Um, so in the, the, the issue I see with that mm -hmm. is that we believe there is a good that yes. can be done. And then anything contrary to that is an evil. Yes. Right or a lesser good, but we don't necessarily have the direction to avoid that evil. 
Yes, in the same way that I, and I know that because we all disagree on what good and evil is. Yeah, this has been a real hard episode to hash out. No, 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 so, but, but we know that there's a good. Yeah. We know that there's an evil, but each of us disagrees slightly on what that is. Sure, but mm-hmm. um, we've been avoiding, like, I think we've all been fairly intentional not to make this just the most depressing episode possible. Because <laughs> we could. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you, Caleb. We, we, we could very easily, but... Um, D- despite the fact that we all have different con- conceptions of evil and we have different conceptions of good and none of us are going to be perfect, I don't. I think you'd be very hard-pressed to find a, a sane, rational human being who thinks that the suffering of innocent people is okay. Yes, no, and that's, um, that's one of the good points in showing that there is good. Yes, like, like, but the, the, point, the point then isn't that um, if we can all agree... That part of us isn't really misaligned, not in terms of morality, because, you know, that's a the mm. suffering of innocence isn't just like, oh, we're morally wrong on that. It's like, oh, our knowledge is limited or our ability to understand the situation isn't fully good. And it's it's even worth pointing out that just as the average human can see the vast majority, no, but. I shouldn't say the vast majority because humans don't see the vast majority of the color spectrum. Most humans can see the standard set of colors. Sorry, Josh, yes. you can't. However, there are some humans. Uh-huh. Guys, we color blind. To our, hey. Josh is colorblind, so I just... Guys, bam. I'm suffering because you guys are humiliating me this in front is, of your, our fans. Your colorblindness is due to my sin. But can Moving you say on. it's um, the suffering of the innocent? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I can't say that. No. Um, but there Sorry, are Josh. people who, aren't in t- who don't intuitively know, let's say, or aren't appalled at the suffering of innocence. Just as there are people who, yeah, who, but we call can't those people, color. they're the anomalies. We call those they're not the people same. insane. Well, That's yeah. the problem. Th- those, yeah. But it, it's worth, it's worth pointing that out. Cause there'll be yeah. some people that'll be like this, this over here. What about yeah. this? Yeah. But, and yeah. there's they're also the, the like, we not, disagree the on the level that would, we disagree on exactly when the suffering would constitute evil or when the suffering would constitute unnecessary. Um, like, for example, different disciplinary actions from children over time. People thought spanking was okay for forever. Is it? Is that? Is that where we cut it off? Is it? We, people used to say hitting your kids was okay. That's full-on abuse Man, in today's need, morality. I need to read The Moral Landscape. Yeah. But, Sorry. Sam Harris no, 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 but what I mean landscape? is we yeah. all recognize oh, that harming children unnecessarily is evil but we disagree on the line on where that becomes unnecessary. That's what I mean by we disagree. We we're slightly askew with each other on where that line is and we can come into agreement, but over time, those ideas of where that line draws on each of these moral issues Mm -hmm. is slightly different in each person. And so when I say like the moral compass is skewed, but we still know what is good, Mm -hmm. right. In the same way that a compass slightly not one degree off north and is is that the reason why we then we castigate god is that what you're saying no we castigate god for being evil because suffering exists because we have a skewed moral vision no i'm saying the reason why we find it hard to accept when god allows evil uh be even though we know he's the we as christians know he's the moral judge we mentally assent to the idea, but experientially we don't mm-hmm. because of our 
a skewed moral compass. If we were in, I don't, I don't, I, I don't yeah, really I disagree with a skewed moral compass. I think it's a lack of knowledge mostly. I think it's and a lack submission. of submission. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah, but that, that that's all sin, messing with our ability to properly orient. Sure, but it doesn't have really to do with the lens itself. It has more to do with the light going into it, right? Like a deep analogy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, your Pink Floyd prism. Uh, no, I think picture. it does have to do with the lens because it's our problem, not his. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, so when when we, like that problem we have, yes, it's totally understandable. I completely understand the problem of like the, the experience, right? I, I agree with you. But yeah. if someone's going through this, you can't go up to them and say, well, Submit. it's because of your sin that you actually can't see. This. I never would. No, I'm yeah. not saying that, but that, that's yeah. what the implication of this so is. So to get back to our answer, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> if we have one, um, and I don't think it's our answer because it's the answer that Christianity has, the, the, the personal problem mm-hmm. of evil is, and this is where I think Christianity technically has the advantage over Judaism in regards to this apologetic problem. Yes. Um, Christianity, unlike the vast majority, if not every other religion on the block, is God knows, and through Jesus, he has experienced our, our human suffering as well. And so there's, a, there's an element of, it's not just God knows in that, like, mm-hmm. let's say, um, esoteric, detached way. Even though that's that's a, that's a that's that's a way to that's that's a misrepresentation of how God's knowledge works. Yeah, God took a checklist and he's like, "Oh, yep, that happened. Check mark. Yeah. Okay, move but there's, on." But there's a certain aspect uh, with the human experience when it's when if I'm sitting there and I'm suffering, right? Um, and I know that just that God, it's it's hard for me to explain this. I've I've explained this much better in other places. Um, Within the Christian religion, when we look at Christ, Christ suffered as a man. He is my hope, my savior, the answer to my sin, the the problem with the prism. Mm. He is the one who submitted to God fully. Um, I am called to emulate him. It is my relationship with Christ, my focus on Christ, that may not answer the problem in the way that is super satisfactory, but yet... It is the the only thing that's on the market to look at the personal problem of evil and go, yeah, I know, if that answers it at all. It also, in a weird way, and I'm playing with this idea, so forgive me, it also adds in the free will argument because God freely chose to become a human, exactly. to experience it, and to rid it from the world. But then he also, like, in becoming Christians, we freely, while experiencing that suffering, choose to embody him. Like, totally from, like, that perspective of, like, the experience, like, God freely chose to do it. So, like, you have the elements of the free will argument and the experiential argument tied in one. He experienced it, but also freely. Yep. He chose to take it on. And so it, it frames the, the counter 
to the personal problem of evil is it's just like God allows all these things. Yeah, I understand mm-hmm. the, the philosophical argument on why he would allow such things. Okay, I get it. How, how can I trust a God that would permit that? Because he suffered too. Mm-hmm. Yes, and not lightly. No. And, and not just because he cares. suffered the worst of it. He cares. And that's why you can trust him because he didn't just yeah. d- do it detached. He is intrinsically bearing the suffering. Yes. Well, one one of the um, yeah, go. One of my favorite books um, right now. I don't know if that'll change in the future, but uh, The Way of Kings, great book. Um, Fantasy reference. Boom. Yeah, here we Brandon go. Sanderson's The Way of Kings. I am so happy we get to talk about The Way <laughs> yeah, of Kings anyway. on this well, podcast. I'm going to bring this back to Jesus eventually, but continue. Mormon well, one literature. Of the, uh, mm-hmm. No, no, no. Just like cold talk. <laughs> one of one of the um, the main themes of the book uh, is written in one of the books, and one of the characters explicitly says it is the that a, a leader will not um, will not make any th- his followers do anything he himself is not willing to go through. Um, the the book which uh, the way of kings, which is what the title of the the first it's book. a little confusing, but um, he references it and says, okay, "Yeah, the leader will not go through." what he will make his followers do. And, you know, mm-hmm. again, that's what Jesus himself did not let humans suffer alone. He himself took on suffering yeah. and suffered alongside of us. And actually the antithesis to that character mm-hmm. is a consequentialist dictator yes. um, who believes that the role of a leader is actually to do what nobody else can because the evil must be heaped onto one man rather than yep. many, which is it's great. It's such a good point. I, I love Brandon yeah. Sanderson. Anyways. Um, no, but to your point, Colton, the, not only he, in the creation of the world, mm-hmm. right? He, when we said like, well, why would God create a world with evil? And we said, because he wants that love and he allowed the evil because the love because not having the love would be bad, right? But also mm-hmm. the point that didn't get added on because we didn't weren't there yet is he didn't just choose to make humans to love, to give them the choice to love and the evil came along with it and then blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But he made it so that there was a choice so that then they would choose to love and he would rid the evil that came if it came. Mm-hmm. He chose to well, and it's the idea that Jesus being the cent- Jesus' life, his 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 mm-hmm. life, death, and resurrection is the center point of the creation history. Yep, but very common idea within within theology. But the, with God's divine plan throughout throughout creation, presented in the Bible, obviously, mm-hmm. um, it's that from Genesis three, the earth looks forward to and God's plan the whole time is the cross. Yeah. And so it's God creates free will to wanting that love, knowing that he will bear the suffering. It's not just that he will allow the suffering. Yes, that, and he will bear it. Well, and, and remove it, Mm -hmm. rid the world of it. So he gets to, uh, what's the phrase? Have it and eat his cake too. Mm -hmm. Like, but because he bets it all on himself, which, yeah. which you even see beginning in Abraham, right? With yeah. his covenant with Abraham. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm going to do it. And then also you see that we talked about like the Jewish answer, right? And the Jewish answer finds its 
culmination in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's like sub. D- do you want to get into the stuff with Job? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so people are going to, the Christians know about the story of Job. God, uh, all the angels and Satan meet with God. And God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's good and upright and everything he does is good. And he has not this, he doesn't disobey. He's righteous. Um, and Satan says, well, if you destroy, take everything, they, if you didn't protect him like you did, put a hedge around his home and give him everything that he wanted, he would curse you to his face the, the day you do that. And God said, okay, do it. And his family's killed, except for his wife. Um, and his f- people are taken and his house is taken. Um, and he's, his last sentence is, uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, right? He's sovereign. Um, and then, and he thinks it's God, right? Which is a, an interesting note in that story because he's experiencing that problem of pain, mm-hmm. right? God's done this to me. Mm-hmm. And then they do it again. The, the meeting happens and God says, okay, you can take everything from, you can take his health and you can make him sick, but don't kill him. Yeah, And he does. And then his friends come with him. And they, they, they sit in silence and they suffer with him. And then Job asks, why? Why did God let this happen? Like, I know he's good and I know it was, um, he has his will. And I'm not going to disagree with that, but what was the reason, right? I know he has a reason, but what was it? Why? Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, the his friends are like, well, God would only do this if you were evil. So you must have done something wrong. And he said, no, but I, but I didn't like, like, I know I'm an evil man, but like, I, I make the sacrifices. I do what's right. Like why? And he was, that's the case. But why, why does, why did he want I want I want to know what, why, why did he do it? Um, and then eventually after 38 pages of this, um, God talks to him and he gives him two pages, uh, of talk. And he tell he opens it up with, uh, who is this that speaks words without knowledge? things beyond their understanding who is uh stand up dress like a man be ready and then he asks him where were you when i made the earth where were you when i filled its oceans and yeah. carved out its depths and where were you when i placed the stars in the sky and the the pleiades and arranged orion and can adjust his belt and put the, the bears next to each other um where were you when I fed the lion, right? The And I brought the prey together so that they could be eaten by the, the predator. Where were you? Uh, who birthed the the youngs of the horses? Who did all this? And Job says, I'm so sorry. Um, I spoke words without knowledge. And God said, yeah, it's, it's fine. He mentions that without... he. Job did nothing wrong in asking God because God is not chastising Job in his response. What he's telling him is look what I've done and look who I am, right? You know who I am. I'm reminding you, but remember who I am and remember what I've done. Well, and I think that that's exactly when we look at Christ in particular to the problem yeah. of evil, those are the things that we need to be. Who is Christ? What has he done? Yeah. Especially in re- in relation to sin, death, and suffering. Mm-hmm. On the cross, we have all those three things. Mm-hmm. L- look who Christ is and look yeah. what he's doing through it. And, and it's that it's, it's not just a, Hey, 
remember who you're talking about. It's not that. It's, hey, if the line you said at the beginning, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away is true, right? If, if, if I am good and all-knowing all and all-powerful, right? If everything I'm doing is for your good, if I'm made, if I allowed evil to exist because love is better, right? Then just trust, right? And then with Jesus, it's trust that the suffering and the becoming a man and the ridding of suffering in the world is worth the, the and the good that comes about from that, the redemption mm-hmm. of humanity is worth this pain. Yeah. Cause, cause the only, the only answer to the personal problem of evil is just trust in Christ. Mm. That's, that's and Romans does that perfectly well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if we're going to move like kind of segment into our, into our next little, our last mm-hmm. segment, which, which Colton had kind of brought up previously, which is like mm-hmm. the, the future hope. How, how do we know that this justifies all the stuff? Yep. Does it quote unquote justify it? Yeah, just because, you know, good might happen because of it doesn't erase the sin and evil of the past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The amount of people, yeah, the amount of bodies you have to walk over to get to that point is, is that worth it? How can that be worth it? You well, know? I think I, I, I want to read um, Romans 8. Uh, 16 to how, how far do I want to read? I think up to 25. Yes. I 18 do, to 25. I do want to read it. We'll see how successfully I read it. Okay. Um, for I do not consider that the present sufferings, oh, sorry, let me, man, I've memorized it in a different translation and now I'm reading it. <laughs> if you this. ever want me to do it, I can also do it. Thank you. I'll try. I'll try really <laughs> hard. I'm, I'm not going to go with what I memorized. I'm going to try to read from the ESV. Uh-oh. Wish me luck. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with, with the future glory that will be revealed to us. For creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the glory, the, sorry, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we hope with patience." And so you see it all throughout Pauline literature. There's this idea of when Christ returns, when the, the, the climactic end of this age, when the, the redemption of all things, the setting, the setting right of all things hits, um, that's, not, that's not even worth comparing to the suffering that's going on right now. And you even see a slight development of that in Pauline thought where it's no, the present suffering is actually participating in the bringing about of that eschatological hope, meaning the end hope. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, so this is something that C.S. Lewis gets into. And then um, uh, to bring up Timothy Keller again, Timothy Keller gets into a bit too, where there's, there's this, we make a bold claim in that, I'm going to try to say this as tactfully as I can, that our current understanding of evil, sin, and death, and how it affects humans, and what it means to, like, in history, that 
it won't be affected somehow retroactively from the ushering in of the kingdom in its full sense. Uh, C.S. Lewis brings it up. Timothy Keller brings it up. Um, you actually, you, you see the, the, the inverse of it in C.S. Lewis's um, The Great Divorce, mm-hmm. when it's the people who end up in hell re- see themselves as always being in hell. Those who end in heaven will realize that God has been with them the whole way. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't claim to know the answer to how that works. Because it's like that doesn't undo the things that have happened in the past. Doesn't that mm-hmm. mean that the that the future hope, the beautiful harmony that's brought about, doesn't that mean that it's been built off of the 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 suffering of the innocent? I don't know. Look what God is doing. Mm-hmm. That's but but that is that is intrinsic to the Christian hope. Yeah. That 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 uh, that God will put things right. Mm-hmm. And that Satan and evil and suffering hasn't just won in the past and it'll just linger in the minds. And, and to, to switch back to then Colton's question with, is there, is there a choice to still sin in heaven and all that kind of stuff? I think that question presupposes too much about what the future hope means to the transformed, to transformed humanity and the transformed reality. Sure. Um, Part of it also, I, I think another answer to it is that the, the choices of the past necessitate the choicelessness of the future. The, choice, the choicelessness. Yeah, you don't have a choice to sin in the new earth. I disagree. Well, what can you choose? There's no sin you can choose. I, I just don't think that you're going to. Because then that means that there's no real love in, the, in, in heaven either. Well, right? I mean, well, the, the whole the, point is that you're brought into perfect unity with God. And if sin is going against God, you would no longer be able mm-hmm. to do that because you're in unity with God. Yeah. But it's not a unconscious or unwilling. It's a continuously willing action yeah. that Ever we submit yes. without yeah. corruption. And Which so, most people would say is not a choice at all. But th- th- that's more my point. I, I don't I don't think that you should... Fr- I don't think that it's fair to frame it in such a way, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think it sort of is. The, 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 po- the point I'm trying to make is that because you have chosen God... Um, or you haven't chosen God. It was the existence of the choice that made that possible. It, without that choice, at some point, there was no reason for that future, um, you know, uh, absence of of evil. But like, um, the only reason God would put you in heaven at that point, where you can only choose God, is because you have made that choice to choose evil or to choose God in the past. Otherwise, there's no. Otherwise, He would just put you there right now. Um, right. I don't. I don't. I don't why? Not why only do I not? Why allow you with some of the statements? I don't understand. Why? Why, why <laughs> allow? Claim. Why allow sin to exist in the first place? If you if you can just have them in that point, always, forever, and for eternity. Um, if humans can exist in heaven or in the, this new earth, um, and they're being they're actively choosing God anyways. Why give them the choice in the first place? Well, I think it's the idea that, it, for one, the how can I put it? Um, well, it's just the the scars of learning make you appreciate the thing learned. Oh, I yeah, that's my point. Yeah, yeah. but that but that's not a removal of, of choice. Yeah. Well, it's removal of options. At that point, is the op- options have been taken away, but you've already made your choice. No, because it. it 
the option isn't removed, the corruption that and the temptation and the desire for that thing uh, is no longer present. Yeah, you you can technically choose, but yes. there's no option. There's no um, influences that can make you choose nope. that option. I don't. I will not want to sin because mm-hmm. I will not want to sin. Yeah, you have no reason, no imperative, or no instincts to sin anymore. Um, it's not really a choice at that point. That that's that's my point, and I think that's most people's point when they make that argument. Um, is that it, yes, is in your, your will hasn't changed. It's not like God has removed free will from you. Mm-hmm. It's that all things that would tempt you or push you or make you choose evil are not present anymore. But the only reason God doesn't put us in that state to begin with is because that choice that we, that state where that temptation is existent is so important for that to exist. How did we land on this on a theodicy <laughs> episode? Like, I know how, because I, I oh, see the notes. Of, it's part of it. Yeah. yeah. But, like, it's, <laughs> it's a funny point yeah. to be at. Yeah, and this is, this is like, this discussion right here, we actually can't, we can, we can um, speculate, but we can't, actually can't have this discussion, because we don't know what that transformed life looks like experientially, unlike the present suffering, which we experience. Well, I think, mm, mm, well, I e- might e- get in hot water over this. Um, I don't know exactly. I think if we're gonna argue off the sh- off the hip, um, yeah, uh, eschatology. But this is speculation. Yes, this is very second rate. Yeah, um, we should understand that the relationship that we have with God, the righteousness that we have right now, and we are growing in with mm-hmm. our devotion to Christ, is a foretaste of what comes. Yeah. Right. Um, I I don't think that the removal when when a Christian here is fighting against sin mm-hmm. it is not as though they it's not as though when they are when they are having victories over it it is not as though the des, the uh the choice is slowly removed it's the desire that's slowly removed yes yeah, but then say that. Don't say the ch- the choice is removed. Because well, you did earlier say that free will still exists. The choice is still there. Well, choice and free will aren't the same thing. That that's the thing. If you if you have a o- choice and free will are not the same thing. Choosing and free will are the are the same. The thing. ability to choose is yeah. Yes, but um, because the, the problem is that if there's no other options except for God, then no, the option's choose. there. We what, just don't want it. No, but what, what, op, like the, the only option could come out of your knowledge that sin exists. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's the point. The point is that you've made, you, you had that experience. Because we've been freed from it. Yeah. <laughs> you have no temptation, you have no desire and you have no instincts to choose sin. There is nothing in the world that could push you towards making that choice. Then you won't make that choice, but you could. In a very technical sense, yes. But yes. And that's what he means by saying... I know, but I, I already admitted to that. Um, yeah. Sure, but then don't say you. there is no choice. Well, the idea then is you, that in you, all practical means, by all practical reasons, there is no choice. Technically, yes, but practically, there's no way you could possibly choose that. 
And that's what he means is that when we talk about the definitions, when we talk about defining what the actual issue is, we have to say the choice is there, but we will never take it. The desire is taken. Sure. I'm saying from just, it's just that articulation, I think ignores, not ignores, rephrases the perspectives that I think we're supposed to have in our ever deepening relationship with Christ in the redemption of our bodies and all that kind of stuff. Um, cause I don't think we're supposed to articulate it in such a way that, that, oh, I would just can't choose to sin anymore. It's just, no, I'm going to continually just fall in love with Christ more and more and more. Yeah, I agree. Um, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, the, the point I'm trying to make is that that whole point, like the idea of whether or not you can choose in the future doesn't matter. The point is the now exists for that future. You, okay. You, that future can't exist without the now. Yes. Like unless you could now have temptation and now have sin and now have suffering, there's no, there's, mm-hmm. God would not create a world where that choice was not originally available. Um, where that temptation was not originally available well, yeah, because that allows you to choose God or not choose God. He wouldn't just put you in a place where you could only choose God. Yeah. We're just reiterating the opening statement of the free will stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, it's in, in it's a, from the other with, end. Yeah. It's, it's specifically within the eschatological, not rather than at creation. Why doesn't God just put us at the end point right now? Yes. Um, well, it, yeah. It's that God, if we trust that we should trust that God is going to bring about evil to some beautiful end that could not be achieved if evil was not permitted. Yeah. Uh, so in this beautiful, in this beautiful hope, it's very similar to, it's the, an early picture of this in the old Testament is the Exodus, mm-hmm. right? There is a freedom from slavery, right? And, we focus on this, the freedom from the pain. And that's, and that's great. But implicit in and expressed in the Exodus story is a freedom to obey. We're free from the slavery that stops us from obeying. And then they're freed to go and worship, right? It's not just let my people go. It's let my people go so that they may worship in the desert. Right. And in Christ, we have a freedom from our sin and the suffering we experience that the present sufferings are worth the future. But we get to love finally, properly. We get to act good, morally, perfectly, finally. Yeah. We, we're not trapped in this, mis- in this constant misstep, constant wrong shot, just slightly off from bullseye. Uh, we get to perfectly act as we desire to obey God. We get to learn to actually aim our bow right. Yeah. We, Via the Holy Spirit. The, yeah. the, the, this, Paul also says this in Romans. Why do I do what I don't want to do? Why don't I do what I want to do? Right? And there's this, we won't have that problem. We won't have this frustration of why do I keep doing this horrible thing? Why do I keep, you know, falling into this sin? Mm-hmm. Why is this experience so awful? Why can't I get out of it? And so like, it's not only that we get to not experience the horrible sufferings that we are afflicted upon daily and in some people's lives more, more than others. Right. 
but we also get to get out of that trap. We actually get to choose what we want. Interesting. So this episode, although it was, it was interesting because this wasn't a super, super like apologetic episode in the classical sense. This was more like a theology, a theology meets apologetics mm-hmm. type episode, mm-hmm. which is not wrong. I think there's, there's some place for that type of reflection. But Absolutely. What do you think? You got, you got, you got a, some thoughtful face there, Joel. No, I think we've we've covered. Um, I think this is what we would expect from Second Rate Saints a little bit on the problem of pain and the the problem of evil. Um, I know we covered it a little bit earlier in our career. Um, I think it might have been like the fourth episode or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think you'll find that earlier episode to be slightly more pastoral, more practical, more stories. What? Did that one come out? Oh, yeah. 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 I think yeah. it's What and Why Part 2. Part 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I don't know why. Or we're... Why They Leave. That's it. Something like yeah. that. And there's also, if I'm allowed to plug my own stuff, there's also, we did a special release of one of my papers on Theodicy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it's a big topic. And it won't be the last time we talk about it either, because I think, I think if Christianity has proven anything, it's that the problem of pain is an ongoing discussion. <laughs> Yeah. Right, like in the and and while we might not have another planting in our lifetime, kind of thing, right? Not that much of a development. Um, there's depth to this topic. Like we don't, we haven't hit the bottom or even close to it. Well, showing uh, showing that there is resistance against it shows that Christians aren't defeated by mm-hmm. the problem of pain. Absolutely, Christ wins. Yeah, and <laughs> and even a Christian idea of persecution and martyrdom kind of proves that pain can actually bring um, a stronger relationship um, yeah. with God and a, a um, higher calling with Christ, which is which is yeah. a weird concept that we might have to visit later on. It's even built into the, like, you know, that Christ dying on the cross is the ultimate suffering. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. built and into yeah. the, the idea itself. Yeah, I remember there was a, there was a debate between Christopher Hitchens and uh, William Lane Craig, the only one that they've had, mm-hmm. that they did, right? Um, and Christopher Hitchens brought this up, and as he does, it's one of the one of the few debates that Christopher Hitchens was relatively, you know, hinged, not just going off on left, right, and center. He was he was, yep. he was pretty good, respectful, debate, actually. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think it's William. Uh, I might actually now that I'm thinking about this, it might not be. This might be a different William Lane Craig debate. Regardless, uh, he brought up how it's like, yeah, but it's like it, the cultures and peoples that have crazy amounts of suffering those are the ones that are religious yeah generally speaking yeah um because they find hope yeah it's Mm. it's the and and you get into uh i i know i know josh and i have had this discussion several times we talked about this a little bit before the before the episode too tons of russian literature specifically russian literature Mm -hmm. focuses on finding meaning in suffering and within christianity you have the ultimate meaning in suffering christ yeah um yep yeah well and again this is a side point but like to bring it back to job there's uh and this is also going to affect colton's ideas job job found meaning in suffering because it brought him closer to god right it it allowed him right but also the book of job got written (laughs) and now we get to talk about it and talk about the problem of pain and the answer to the suffering being God mm-hmm. experiencing it himself. 
because we know the story of Job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This makes me just want to go read Job at home. <laughs> it also feels a little self-referential. It's like mm-hmm. the knowledge of suffering is in some ways the answers to suffering that you might combat suffering. Yeah. Well, God right. turns his, uh, the, he can use the things fashioned against him yeah. as weapons against his enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He uses everything. He, is he defeats his suffering by suffering. He defeats death via death. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very it's, interesting. Uh, as the snake bites his heel, he crushes his head. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's oh. close it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, check us out on whatever platform you can find. We're at secondratesaints.com. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on wherever podcasts are found. Um, yeah, that's that's all. Thank you so much for listening this far into the episode. Uh, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. I feel like this might be a little bit of a controversial episode. So if uh, we've said something that you'd like to... Uh, to critique or add on to um, we'd love to hear it so uh, thanks for listening let's just end it just end it man this went nowhere <laughs> <laughs>